0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rise Together podcast. This is Dave. I am going to do a solo episode today. There's been something on my mind. If you get my email and uh, if you read my blog... I'm a blogger now. I know. It's a weird thing to hear in your ears. It's as weird for me to say the thing out of my mouth. But uh, in a world where I'm taking this step away from social media for some length of time, I do still like this idea of staying connected to the community of people who've been alongside me for so many unbelievable life events over time that uh, my initial idea was, hey, I'll just create a one-way pen pal kind of opportunity where I will write an email and that will uh, facilitate something in connection. And then I wrote the first email and it was like 10 pages long. And as much as I know nothing about how email is supposed to work, I showed it to a couple people who do. And they said, no, this is not an email. You have written a blog, sir. And I said, well, it's not 2009. So I'm not sure what I meant to do with this information. Uh, one to never be on the front edge of technology or anything current trend wise. Uh, the only obvious choice then was to create a blog. And so, um, if you don't already subscribe to the uh, to the newsletter to the email, uh, if you're interested in um, it, in part because of the way that it has links to a blog that you are certainly uh, welcome to dive into. I'm using the blog more than anything to do some longer form writing so that uh, one, I don't ruin email etiquette, but that two, uh, I can share a little bit of what I'm thinking or feeling, or maybe make you laugh in the way that it's meant to be done. So uh, yeah, there's no time machine. It's not 2009, you did hear me right. I'm now writing a blog in 2022. Feels very on brand, very right. Welcome to Rise Together. My name's Dave Hollis, I'm the host of this show where we're gonna hopefully have you feeling a little more normal in this, the human experience. Maybe see yourself even in some of the stories that are told or have your appreciation of what it means to be human expanded by someone who's come on as a guest, who's had a different life experience. In all of it, we are trying our best in community to learn from each other, to grow, and maybe even have a little bit more compassion for what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. When we do, we all rise together. But in the most recent uh, update, I was coming out of Memorial Day weekend. I hope everyone enjoyed themselves a fantastic long weekend with their people. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to not have something in a, uh, of a sense of gratitude on a Memorial Day weekend for the generations of soldiers who laid down their life, paid the ultimate sacrifice to even uh, uh, allow a nice weekend to exist. But also for me, for whatever reason, I'm not a numerologist, not sure that I even believe necessarily in uh, certain numbers having certain significance in an individual's life. Um, There has been something in my life around this last weekend in May for quite a bit of time, uh, May 30th in particular, and I was thinking about it at the same time that I was kind of processing, uh, having spent some time with my grandma Lee, who recently got a diagnosis of cancer. She'd had cancer when she was young, as in when she was 94, and uh, that cancer came back now at 100. And as much as, uh, I've talked about it before, right? There's, there's fewer things that you can do when you're 100 years old and uh, you find a tumor of a certain size in a person of a certain age. And so um, in some ways, Grandma has a sense of how she's going to die, how she'll uh, transition from this place to her next. And uh, in sitting with her, the, the way that she is handling the knowledge that she has of these days being, um, more than ever before, um, you know, the end of her time here on earth. Um, she's handling it in the way that she's handled every single thing in her life with, uh, dependence, a reliance, a a going first to faith with a belief that this is just exactly how it's supposed to be meant to be, um, with a resilientness, resilience that, uh, Won't uh, even in some respects allow her to let down some of the the kind of the grit or the guard that was developed in having survived so many stinking things that you inevitably survive when you've been on the planet for a hundred years worth of time. And I just, man, I have so much respect for her for so many reasons. I have such an appreciation for the power of the way that she is modeling what faith means to her in the face of something that would be terrifying to me. And also, I had to like start asking a little bit of a question of like what would it have meant for me to understand when certain parts of my identity or certain things in my life might die? And how would it have changed the way that I thought about those things if I'd have known? Hopefully that's not too confusing, but here, right in this instance, grandma's got a sense of the knowing. And in many of our lives, we find ourselves in environments where we make a decision. We have a hope for the way we think things could turn out or or ought to turn out, or the way that we hope they turn out. And then life shows up. And often, at least in my experience, certainly in the last handful of years, the outcome that I dreamt up, or the outcome that I intended to have show up, didn't necessarily show up the way that I was hoping. And I actually, in kind of doing a little bit of the reflecting, it drew me to this question, big question, Uh, If you could know the way that you were going to die or how you were going to die, would you want to know? And it was one of these questions that I got, you know, earlier on in my life and my immediate knee jerk without any kind of reservation answer was, yeah, of course I'd want to know. I'd wanna know when so that I could make sure I got every single thing that I want to accomplish in beforehand and that I could spend time with the people that I wanna spend time with and I could say no to the things that were obviously now irrelevant as I was getting closer to the date. But the more that I have spent time with it, especially because of this strange thing that shows up in this May 30th date in my life, um, my answer is definitively no. I shall explain. So um, for whatever reason, like I say, this end of May, in two-year cycles also, by the way, um, has just been something of an interesting thing. I'll take you back to the 2016, May 30th. It uh, was a time where I am still working at Disney, married, living in Los Angeles, and we find ourselves in a foster-to-adoption program. And that Memorial Day weekend, I have a, I just have like the coolest picture of us in the backyard where my, you know, my then wife, Rachel and our three boys and these two babies that are um, in our home are sitting out around the pool. It looks like absolute chaos. There was a lot going on and we had no concept of what was very shortly to come in this journey. And as much as our journey into adoption was one that started in what we believe to be uh, a draw to international adoption and a program in Ethiopia, something that was ultimately closed down because of reasons on the ground in Ethiopia about a year into the journey, um, there were things that were happening inside of this foster to adopt journey that felt Ordained. It just felt like this was where God wanted us. This is what we were supposed to do. And so we walked toward it, even though it was scary and hard and harrowing and different. And around this May 30th timeframe, um, we were on the cusp of finding out just how hard it was going to get in that uh, our journey, and if you've been along uh, for the ride for some time, you're familiar with it. We uh, were placed with a a one-year-old baby that ultimately had a sister who was two. She also needed placement. We opened our house up for a second child, knew it was temporary placement. And after a few months worth of spending time as their foster parents, celebrated a one-year-old birthday party, celebrated a two-year-old birthday party, saw the one-year-old walk her first steps. I mean, there were things that were happening in this small window of their life. When it was time for them to return to their biological parents, a thing that we absolutely knew was gonna happen, we were now primed and ready for what had been described to us as the adoption phase of the foster to adopt track in that once you have gone through the fostering piece, now you're ready to, when there is a child inside of care who is declared adoptable, um, if your house qualifies and you've passed all the different things that the county and and uh, and anything inside of the foster care world ends up requiring, um, then adoption is a thing that can happen. And so we got a phone call, not terribly long, after the first two children, Bertie and Scout, had been placed inside of our home, that there were these Twins. Four-day-old twins. They had been, uh, per the emergency placement worker, abandoned at the hospital. And on the fifth day, they were going to separate these twins and put them into two homes. But because our house had been accredited to handle two children under two, we were one of very few options that existed to keep these babies together. And as much as our vision for what adoption was going to look like, never really included two children, certainly not twins, certainly not twins that um, were going through some things uh, with withdrawal from drugs and some trauma and whatever else, That, that wasn't necessarily a part of the vision, but because of the sequence of events priming us for placement, it felt right. We had a very short window of time to say yes. We said a prayer, said yes. Drove to uh, first Target to get the smallest car seats possible. And then to the hospital where we picked up these two beautiful babies. And our adventure in what we believe to be adoption began. And it was beautiful. And it was tiring because twins are tiring. And twins coming uh, out of having been addicted to cocaine in utero, tiring and Having three bio kids and twins, tyrant, like it was, it was just a lot, but it was some of the happiest I've ever seen our entire family unit. Um, And it was a thing. And about six weeks into their placement, we got the sad phone call, the hard phone call, the rug pull (laughs) phone call that uh, suggested that their adoptability had been misrepresented, that their Uh, was in fact someone who, after having had us bring them into the house, uh, had reached out and asked if they could, on the biological family side, petition for having them as a part of their life. And of course, that is um, what you'd hope for in Foster, that you can have reunification with biological humans. And it was also devastating because... We had, named these ba- we had named these babies. We had cared for them as though they were our own. And in some ways, we had already developed something of a vision of how the rest of our life would look. And then it was gone. And in that, this vision of how our adoption journey was going to go died. And if the question, again, that I started with was, do you want to know or would you want to know how? some part of you, your identity, some vision for your future dies ahead of time, would you want to know? Uh, My answer here definitively has to be no. Because if I had known getting into our adoption process that we were going to go through something that was as heartbreaking and traumatic and grief filled as the summer of 2016 ended up being, we would never have started the adoption journey in the first place. If I'd have known it was going to be that hard, we certainly would not have pushed into the space in a way that allowed us to feel like we were already so far down the path that we had to keep going. And if we had known that was the thing and had stayed away from it, we wouldn't have ultimately adopted Noah. And that is in just a, a crazy thought because of how bright and important and meaningful a part of my life, our life, anyone's life she ends up being. But sometimes, right, not knowing how hard it's going to be to get to the happy ending that sits at the other side of that hard road is the only reason why you end up getting there. So in May of 2018, May 30th, 2018, was the last day of work that I had at the Walt Disney Company. I'd worked there for 17 years. I... Uh, Man, have so much that I have gratitude for, so much experience that was gleaned, so many great relationships that I still maintain. But I found myself on the other side of my 40th birthday, struggling with this bigger set of existential questions around why I was here and if this was what it was all for. And as much as that job was so good in so many ways, there were components of it that had me getting straight A grades on tests that I didn't have to study for any longer. The intellectual property that was collected at the company at the time in 2018 was just unbelievable. Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Marvel Studios. In 2015, we'd had the biggest year in the history of cinema. We had the top 10 movies for the be- for the most part um, every year in 15, 16, 17. And in that environment where I wasn't being asked to use as much of what I had been afforded in gifts, uh, I felt stuck, I was struggling. And in so many ways, my disposition of not really liking who I was when I was by myself was a reflection of having stopped growing. So I knew I had to make a leap and the conversation about jumping into work with Rachel was a thing that was born out of excitement for the vision of what might come next, combined with knowing that, man, I got to make a change because there's more to this work that I can do in life than driving shareholder value at the Walt Disney Company. And so we make the leap. And as I wrote in the last blog, right, we have this rocket ship kind of experience in that first couple of years. And it was wildly beyond what any of us could have considered. But the leap was in part one that I felt comfortable taking in a world where I'm very much a practical, pragmatic person because it felt like I'd be making that leap for that mission for the rest of my life. If I had known that leaving Disney and the end of my marriage would happen to only have two years of time between the last day of Disney and the last day of my marriage to the day, May 30th, 2020, final day of us being uh, quote unquote married. At least it was the day we had a conversation about divorce. And at a minimum was the last day that I wore a wedding ring. Um, If I'd have known that there was a two-year window, there is no way that I would have left my career. There's no way that I would have made that leap into something that had such a short shelf life because, um, again, I'm just like, I'm wired too pragmatically. The math wouldn't have penciled out. It wouldn't have, uh, like optics-wise, my ego wouldn't have allowed The idea of me leaving a 17-year career or the president of sales role for something that was only going to be around for two years would not have left. And yet, I am who I am. I am fundamentally a different person, a person who looks in the mirror and likes himself in a way that he didn't then, a person who feels more connected to purpose and meaning than he did then, a person who's just different in every single way because of having made that leap it's a wild thing you know like i get the question quite a bit you know do you ever regret leaving disney or do you ever look back and wish you were still there and as much as there are you know like normal human moments where i play a little bit of a sliding door game of i wonder where i would be or how i would be or what I would be doing if I was still there, there's very rarely, if ever, a moment of, I wish I could go back and unmake this decision because this pursuit that I had at the time of growth, <laughs> that pursuit is a thing that happened and was uh, come to pass in so many ways because of all of what ended up transpiring. The fire hydrant drinking moments of uh, that first year and a half, two years, the challenging nature of having to transition away from that company and figure out how to do all of what I'm trying to accomplish in life on my own, all of it has produced growth because it's freaking hard, because there's so much new terrain. Um, I, I found... Uh, a video excerpt uh, from the documentary that never aired that I put into the blog because it's, it's a wild thing to see the video capture of my last days at the Walt Disney Company, me starting to lean into what would be, you know, personal development or me trying to be someone who might write or speak or, you know, any of the stuff that I do now but not having any sense of like how to do it well and certainly no confidence in the way that I'm attempting to serve. There's a clip of me (laughs) saying the line that is the tattoo on my arm, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. And it is the most static, (laughs) staunchy, Uh, corporate version of someone saying a line that uh, ultimately now sits as a tattoo, but it also is this beautiful reminder of how much progress and how much growth that decision to leave ultimately afforded. I know I would not have made the decision to leave if I had known what would die in the decision, right? The decision to... Jump into a company I believed I would work at for the rest of my life, ended up that that dream died, and if I'd have known that it was going to die, I wouldn't have made the leap, and so I'm so grateful that I couldn't know what was going to come next because all of those things unfolding as they did were exactly what needed to happen for me to be who I am and how I am. You know, May 2020, May 30th, uh, the the. 29th was uh, my 16th wedding anniversary, and uh, the 30th was the day that we had a conversation about divorce. And it was just the lowest I mean, just like the lowest point uh, for me and uh, arguably my adult life. And in that moment, I know I didn't have any ability to see any of what was coming next, any of how the decision for us to have individual journeys could actually be what was in our best interests. I, had, I just had no objectivity for it at all. And I'm sitting here today, two years removed, in awe of how much good exists how much beauty exists, how much love exists in a way that it only can because of that decision for us to go on individual journeys, right? Like Rachel's got a great life that is happening separate from mine. I have a great life that is happening for the most part separate from hers. Yes, we are co-parenting our kids, but like the the question that kicked off so much of that conversation around divorce was, Hers, to me, do you think you can be the man you're meant to be married to me? And I didn't appreciate how much was in the answer to that single question until enough time went by for me to be able to look back and see how much abundance can exist inside of something that is completely different than what we had and and something that is completely different than what I thought ought to have or should have been the kind of construct of our life for the rest of our life. And so again, this is a a harder one in the, like, if you were to know how things would end or die, would you, would you want to know? I think this is a little bit more, you know, the, when something happens that you don't want to happen, when something dies that you wish hadn't died uh, that grieving is of course an appropriate response grieving what was or maybe you know even more so I was grieving what I wish had been, what I the way I wish that we were. Um, but there's something in just this kind of conversation or appreciation around how time will reveal all of what was actually in play that we are not ever given access to or, uh, allowed to necessarily fully comprehend or appreciate until enough time has gone by. This Memorial Day weekend was an amazing weekend. It was just like, it was full. It was just full. There was time with family. There was time with loved ones. There were fun experiences. Like, there was just so much, there was just abundance. And there was a point where I said something to the effect of, like, goodness, it just feels so good to be happy. And I I didn't know that I could have a May 30th that was as happy as this, given what this date has meant historically to disrupting my identity, to disrupting my sense of normal, to disrupting, you know, everything, anything that you know like was, was, you know, around certainty or uh, familiarity or comfort. And, um, uh, And I just, I dig that and I appreciate that. And it brought me back to some of what my grandma Lee inevitably ended up saying to me in the beginnings of that conversation around divorce back uh, in May, June, July of 2020. And I'd called her, I'd called her at one point and I was in line picking up my kids from school. She asked me how I was doing and... I I tried to, you know, like give it to her straight, but I was also trying to kind of like be a little bit more optimistic than what felt like a, you know, pretty grim, dark period for me. And so I just I told her I was both. I said, "Look, I'm both hopeful and sad. I'm both scared and open to the possibilities of what comes next. I'm, you know, feeling somewhat broken, but I'm also building." Like Because there is very much a both that exists in each of these things. And she said to me in this way that someone who, you know, at 100 years old could only have said that, you know, she had been through so many things and had been through so, so many hard things. And that the only thing that she knows with 100% certainty is that she made it through every single one of them. And as much as she didn't appreciate necessarily the way that it felt in the middle of going through those things, she came out the other side every single time. And most of the times came out stronger with a stronger faith with a stronger appreciation of the people that she loves, with more confidence in herself in a way that she knew now whatever comes next, she'd be able to handle that thing, bring it on. And she was saying it, though, from the lens of perspective or through the lens of perspective. She was offering something that only people who have made it to the other side of a dark journey are able to like now have that like gift of time to see things that they just couldn't have seen at the beginning. It's just a nice reminder, right? That if we were to know how hard things might end up being, we might not have the wherewithal to take a jump into the thing that would unlock happiness, peace, fulfillment, growth, like all of the things that are destined and meant for us. Um, If we find ourselves inside of hard times and are struggling to conjure something in imagination for what's next or hope for the future, something in optimism, the good that can come out of something hard, I just would encourage you to, if not believe me, believe Grandma Lee, that uh, you know everything that you are becoming sits on the other side of the survival of, or the continuing to push through, get through the dark pieces of what has been presented in hard things. Because uh, I can tell you for sure, uh, if you had talked to me two years ago, there is a 0% chance I could have suggested that it was possible for me to access happiness, or feel love, or connection, or um, to, to know myself on a completely different level because of, not in spite of, some of what came in the transition of being married to being divorced. Right? I'm not an advocate for divorce. I hope you never have to go through one. They freaking suck, jeez. But also, there is there are good things that came. I you know I want everyone who feels called into foster care to absolutely walk toward it, knowing that there are parts of that system that are also hard and that there are pieces of it that can, in fact, um, you know, introduce sadness and grief and trauma. And also, I know that so much of that experience with the twins was a prep for how to handle some of the harder things that ended up coming up in my life in two-year cycles in the two and four years in front of it. But I also know that, man, just because it got hard, it didn't mean that there still wasn't something good that was sitting on the other side of things not having gone my way, right? The story of Noah's adoption has to include the tragedy of two little babies leaving our house in a white van six weeks into having named them and cared after them, right? My feeling the way that I do about the work that I do today, the growth that's come in my interpersonal relationship with myself, but also in the way that I feel connected to the work that I get to do is something that also has to have the grief of saying goodbye to a company that I helped build and thought I might work at for the rest of time, right? Like those things are important pieces to the overall story that even though they don't make sense in the midst of that journey, are usually big, huge components, big complicit factors in why the outcome ends up being what it is. There are so many, so many times when I've been in the midst of hard things where I've gotten frustrated, like, God, I wasn't praying for this. Like I was, I've been praying for that, you know, and I think, you know, there's times when we don't have the full picture where we don't totally understand yet all the pieces that are in play, whether it's, you know, the advice of my grandma Lee or um, even my own experience in the difference between May 30th of 2022 versus May 30th, 2020. um, Sometimes it just takes some time. Sometimes it just takes some time for all of these pieces to reveal themselves, that once they do, we get Something in objectivity or perspective that uh, helps some of that stuff make sense. And I also think, too, that, you know, <laughs> when, I've, when I've been someone who's prayed for something specifically, um, I think I sometimes mistake that I get a say in the way that that prayer gets answered. And it's just not the way that it has worked for me. Very rarely, <laughs> almost never. Um, if I'm praying for something, do uh, does the way that I want it to work out, does the way that I'd hope for that prayer to be answered actually get answered in that way? Right? When I was, you know, in that midlife moment of is this all there is? Is um, are these the only ways that my tools can be used? Uh, you know, I was I was saying a prayer for being connected to purpose. For being connected to something that felt bigger than making money, it, I, I wanted something that would matter. And you know, the the answering of the prayer took me in and out of spaces that made sense, but oftentimes I was learning the lessons or being molded into who I might become. And I'm still being molded. Shoot, I'm like nowhere near the end of my journey of growth and um, continuing to learn, but. Um, So much of my growth, this thing I'd been praying for has come through really, really hard mistakes, really, really hard stuff around um, doing things the wrong way and having to dust yourself off and get back up. And while I can kind of like shake my fist in the air for those times when that kind of thing has happened, I do have to remind myself that this is what I asked for right? Like, Hey, I, you asked that you might become this bigger, better version of yourself. Um, I, you know, thought that it might come through doing, you know, a, a journey of X. And uh, oftentimes it's become uh, a learning that comes in the getting up from having tripped or uh, made a mistake or tried something and uh, it being the wrong answer, as opposed to getting it right right off the bat and uh, and learning that way, and I think that's okay too. So uh, anyway, I hope that uh, no matter where you are today, that if you find yourself on the cusp of something big, that you are able to, the way that Grandma Lee is approaching, knowing a little bit of how things are going to go. Um, that you can lean on a little bit of of faith, that you're going to get through whatever ends up being thrown your way. Because the reality is you don't know. There's no way for you to know. Yep, I hope you prepare. I hope you read up. I hope you talk to every resource you possibly can that has walked the road that you are preparing yourself to walk. And also, uh, as uh, anyone who's uh, had a child can tell, you can read What to Expect When You're Expecting, and it does not fully and totally prepare you for what it's like to have a kid for the first time, no matter what, right? It doesn't matter how prepared you end up being for taking a step off uh, the dock, as it were, into something of choppy waters. It doesn't matter how um, much research you've done. Uh, Not knowing what's going to happen is a gift because if you actually knew some of what it's going to take to get to where you want to go, it might be something that convinces you to stay right where you're at, okay with okay, not taking chances, not pushing yourself into a place where you can fully become who you were meant to be. And um, and there's something beautiful in that. There's something that I think allows us to take the steps because of uh, some uninformed optimism, as uh, we've talked in our community about most recently, right? There's there's something in um, in not knowing that I think can be somewhat of a gift, so. Anyway, random thoughts. For me, your pal Dave, on, uh, on this Thursday, uh, we'll be back next week with a guest. And uh, between now and then, I hope that you have the confidence to take those steps, even though you don't know what's going to happen. If uh, you're holding back, from taking that step because you'd like to be able to figure out or you know, in some ways engineer knowing what's going to happen. Maybe there's a benefit in not knowing. Uh, And if you have some sense of what's coming up next, uh, I hope that you are able to embrace the knowing with grace and with a lot of faith that you are going to get through it or that you're going to get exactly what you need from it because it's here for you and you're right where you need to be. All right. We'll see you on the next week's episode of the Rise Together podcast. Take care, guys. Hey, y'all. While I am taking a hiatus from social media, I'd still love to stay connected to you on the regular If you head over to MrDaveHollis.com, I have an opportunity for us to become one-way pen pals. Yep, I'm gonna be sending out regular updates, uh, stories, uh, observations, hopefully things that will also make you laugh or think. uh, And I'd love to be able to do that on the reg. So if you uh, are so inclined, hit MrDaveHollis.com, drop in your email and buckle on up. I love y'all. Thank you for all the continued support. Let's go.